Welcome to another week here on Scale Up with Nick Bradley. This week, my guest is a woman with an astounding story to share and a very strong message about choice, power, and resilience, amongst so many other things. And I know there's a lot of people, we hear that gratitude is something that we should do and it helped, but it really, truly saved me. Please join me in welcoming to the show another amazing human being whose accomplishments can only be surpassed by her authenticity, her grit, and her incredible character. This week, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, podcast host, and coach, Amberly Largo is on the show. Now, Amberly starts our conversation by sharing what I, what I think is just a massive setback, a huge tragic accident that happened to her, which amazingly she said she wouldn't take back because so many good things have happened after and or because of this turning point in her life. She also speaks about how she went through multiple surgeries, working through lots of physical pain and fighting through what could have spiraled her down to depression and how she just did not allow this to happen. So what I want you to watch out for today is not just practical tips of how she shifted her perspective, but just incredible resilience and grit from someone who has been through so many things as she shares all of it really with me in a really beautiful, vulnerable way with so much humility, bravery, and honesty. It was one thing to listen to her TEDx speech, which I did before the conversation, but it was a totally different experience for me actually interviewing her. To hear her share her journey, it's such an experience I couldn't be more grateful for. And now I'm really, really honored to be able to share this with you because as I always say, you get a lot out of the amazing guests I get on. Today is just one of those ones where if you sit there and you listen to everything that she's been through and you apply that back to your own life, you're going to be thinking how lucky you really are. So needless to say, tune in to the very end of the episode for her very special message about grit, hope, not giving up. And you'll also find out what is next for Amberly and hear her excitedly share her next project. There's a whole heap of stuff she's doing, so let's call it a series of projects that will empower women all over the world. I wanted to create a safe place and an inner circle for women to be able to share, gain that confidence, learn how to tell their story confidently so that they can change the world in a very powerful way. So I'm so happy to have Amberly on the show today. Without further ado, welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Amberly Lago. Hey, everybody. It is Nick Bradley. Welcome again to another episode of Scale Up. Wow. Today, we're going to get into an amazing topic, one of my favorite topics, because I've spoken a lot about grit. And I've spoken a lot about resilience, all the marathons and things like that I've done. But you, you don't want to hear about me. My story is boring. I've got someone on today whose story is just absolutely incredible when we want to get deep into this stuff. So Amberly Lago, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And by the way, you, your story is not boring. I've listened to your podcast <laughs> and I loved it. And I actually just listened to one of your episodes where you were talking about grit and resilience. And so. Oh, great. There we go. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, well, I think, I think when we get into your story and we're going to kick off with that in a second, I think, I think it takes it to another level. And one of the things I'd love to understand today, not so much just about the story is the different things, perspectives and learnings that you've had since that. So let's kick it off. I've just literally about 10 minutes ago finished listening to your TEDx speech, which is outstanding. And I'm going to make mm. sure that people can go out and listen to that. But I want to hear what happened to you a, a number of years back now. Let's, let's just hear this story and then we'll get into that and then, and then move around from there. Yeah. Well, you know, I like you running, loved running. Running was my life. I mean, it wasn't just my business being a trainer and I had several trainers that worked for me. I was nationally recognized as a coach sponsored by Nike, but running was my therapy. It was my drug of choice. Um, when somebody wanted to meet for lunch, I would say, okay, where are you? Okay. I can run there in 30 minutes. I'll see you soon. Like I really? loved it. Oh, I loved it. And fitness and, you know, being a professional dancer and then a fitness trainer, it was being active was just what I love to do. And that all changed 
in the blink of an eye when I was coming home from work and I was on my motorcycle and, you know, I remember taking the long way home. I thought I'm going to take the long way home so I can be on Ventura Boulevard a little bit longer and feel the wind blowing through my hair. There's just this freedom when you're on a motorcycle. And, um, I see this SUV, um, waiting to make a left turn. And I thought they saw me and I'm, I'm only going about 25 miles an hour. They shot out of the parking lot. I was hit. I tried to jump off my bike, um, but there was nothing I could do. It was too late. I was T-boned, thrown about 30 feet and just sliding across the asphalt. And I remember every detail from the moment I was hit to the immediate pain, to laying in the street, to looking down at my leg and it just being crumbled into pieces. And it's crazy to see yourself like that. You know, my foot was dangling off. It was only held on by the oh, skin. And I'm sorry, that's kind no, of, no, graphic, no, 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 but I, I just want to, I just heard give this, you an idea. as I said, on the TEDx thing, but to hear it again with you saying it personally, I've got like goosebumps. Right. And, and I, the first thing that just kind of comes to mind as I hear you, how you tell that story is, did it seem real to you? I mean, at that point, you know, obviously it happens quickly and then you're there and you're seeing all these things happening. I remember you saying on the TEDx speech, people were coming to, towards you quite slowly. Like, yeah, what's they were here? freaked out. And you know, it's, it's crazy when you go, I've, I am usually, um, the kind, I mean, knock on wood, I hope I'm always like this, but I'm usually really good under pressure. Like mm -hmm. I think of solutions instead of focusing on the problem, but it's really interesting to what I was thinking, looking back at that time. So when it happened and I'm laying in the street, one of my first thoughts was, you know, looking down at my leg and seeing it crumbled, you know, all broken apart. I didn't want to let go of my leg because I was afraid it was going to fall off. Oh, wow. My femoral artery was severed. So there was blood everywhere. And one of my first thoughts was, oh, this can't be good. I may have to train clients on crutches for a while. So my first thought was, how can I keep it going? How can I keep my business going? How can I keep moving forward? And then I thought I was cussing and I was like, oh, my Methodist mama might not be too proud of me cussing. <laughs> and my husband might be upset. His backpack is probably destroyed. Well, his backpack probably saved my life, first of all, because I slid across that backpack for 30 feet and I only had road rash on the backs of my shoulders. So my spine probably would have been completely damaged or severed had I not had that backpack. And I remember thinking, oh, this might be a little more serious than I thought because a lady fainted at the scene. Oh, wow. People did not want to come close to me. And luckily, I swear I had all my guardian angels like working overtime that day because 911, I was screaming, call 911 and call my husband. And there were paramedics that were running distance away. Like they were down the block. So they were already running to me paramedics without their fire truck. How was before that? Before they, they got just the in, call. They were just in the area. They saw me on the street, bleeding out my motorcycle, you know, down the road and the SUV with the bumper torn off and they were running down the road. I had a guy that made a tourniquet on my leg right away. So he really saved my life. Cause when your femoral artery is severed, I'm glad I didn't know this at the time that it was severed, but you can bleed out within minutes. So between the paramedics being right down the street, this, this, you know, the guy making a tourniquet on my leg, um, my husband being a first responder. And let me tell you, they closed the whole Ventura Boulevard. I don't know if you've been to LA, but Ventura I have, but Boulevard, I, don't know, I know what LA traffic's like, <laughs> but I don't know that particular boulevard. pretty big deal to shut down the boulevard. Wow. And so they shut down the boulevard. I got rushed to the hospital. It was chaotic. I'm taped to the gurney and I can just hear just crying. And I'm like, are you thinking at that? this point? at any of this point that you could die? Well, at this point, um, in the back of the ambulance, I was squeezing the paramedics leg. And, um, 
I remember he wouldn't look at me. He would not make eye contact with me. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's not looking at me. So maybe he knows that I'm going to die. Cause you know, you want to look at somebody to think, Oh, how bad is it? Is this, am I going to be okay? And he would not make eye contact with me. And so when I got to um, the ER is when I thought, I think I might be dying. First, I was wanting to die because of the pain. Then I thought, oh gosh, I might be dying. And I screamed across the the, um, ER room. I said, honey, I need you to get over here and be strong for me because I thought I might not be alive. And my husband, of course, was freaking out. He didn't see what I mean, I didn't see what he could see. He told me later why he was freaking out because he could see the inside of my leg and the doctor trying to pull my femoral artery and um, to, to clamp it down and it would pop back in my leg like a rubber band. And so he was freaking out and I screamed, get over here. He came and he grabbed my hand. And that's the last thing I remember before they put me in induced coma. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing would- that. I mean, I'm just like, Oh man, I mean, well, I, there's it's so many. Just crazy. There's so many ways we could take this conversation now, and um, what I'd like to do is is talk about. I mean, that's the event, right? And then then things happen afterwards. So I want to kind of get into the journey, but let's go to where you are today. Let's go to where you are now, mm-hmm. and and just a time check for everyone. When did this event happen? Uh, it's been 11 years ago. Okay, and um, you know, I will say that when I woke up from a coma and learned I had a 1% chance of saving my leg from amputation, I thought, okay, I'm going to focus on that 1%. And with you and, and all the wisdom that you share on your show and all the guests that you have on, you know, so much about business or, or anything is about mindset. And so I think to be resilient, you really it's important what you focus and put your thoughts on. And I thought I could think about the 99% chances of me not saving it. I chose to focus on that 1% and it took 34 surgeries, but they saved my leg. But I have to say, Nick, the, the hard part wasn't the 34 surgeries. The hard part was when I got out of the hospital and from that moment to where I am now, my goodness, did that take every ounce of grit and resilience. And by the grace of God, I, you know, am here because I was diagnosed with a nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome, which leaves you in constant chronic pain. It's dubbed the suicide disease because those no, there's no known cure. And so going through all those surgeries was, yeah, that was hard. It was the heart, one of the hardest things I've ever been through, but deciding that I want to live a life of joy um, and set an example of a woman who's resilient and keep moving forward um, was that it was, it's been a hard journey and all the lessons I've learned along the way. um, You know, I'm so grateful that I get to be here with you that I didn't give up because a lot of people who are diagnosed with this disease they do. That's why it's dubbed the suicide disease because you're in constant chronic pain. So through this journey, pain has been my biggest teacher. And I, at my rock bottom, at my worst possible place, it was when I got on my knees and prayed and asked for help. And I reached out to someone for help. And that has been a life saver for me in every way in my emotional healing and my physical healing. Um, it has allowed me to create this new business that I do now. And I think for me, it was hard to ask for help. I don't know why I think growing up in Texas, I was taught like suck it up and get her done and hide your crazy and be a lady. And then, you know, (laughs) I love that that quote. (laughs) That is the best quote. (laughs) Well, thank you. You know, I've got a t-shirt that says that because I really, those were a lot of the things that I grew up with. And I remember when I started teaching dance, um, I went through a teacher training program. I started working when I was 13 and this will give my age away real quick. But my dance teacher said, 
when you put, I don't care if you've lost your dog or your best friend, when you put the needle on the record and you turn around to teach that class, you better have a smile on your face. And it's not about you. It's about your students. And so my whole mindset for, for being an athlete, for being, you know, a personal trainer and having a fitness business. And then in this recovery, I didn't want to let, I didn't want people to know I was in pain or struggling. I did not want to feel all these feelings of shame. I mean, I had $2.9 million worth of medical expenses. We had a lien on our house and now deformed. I can't run all the things, all the problems I had been running from my whole life. Cause running was really my answer yeah. to all of them. I would just run them away. I would run away from them like literally and in every way I could, cause it made me feel better to be stuck in a hospital bed. Boy, I had to learn to let those feelings rise to the surface and the truth will set you free, but dang it, it will kick your ass along the way. <laughs> How did you, I mean, let's delve into some of this stuff. I mean, is there any point now as you look back 11 years ago and you think there's a gift in this? There is definitely a gift in every struggle. And I know when, you know, and look, I have to admit something. So I was telling you before we started recording that we just moved to Texas. Yeah. We live in a really safe, beautiful area. We're, we're in a nice house. The internet has been a challenge. I mean, I was seriously saying a prayer before we started this, even to the technology gods, like, please just let the internet work. Well, the other day, after five weeks of we've tried all the bells and whistles, we have, we have two internet companies now. Like if one stops, I got another one that kicks in. Like it's been feeling. frustrating. <laughs> yes. But you know, my whole business is run um, through, I'm um, a content creator. It's yeah. I'm online and speaking events, um, in the UK online. I mean, that's the beauty of being able to work from your home. And was the reason that we moved to Texas is because I can work from anywhere except for Heath, Texas, where there's no fiber optic, by the way. So <laughs> I was throwing a fit. Like I, I, I was kind of, I scared my husband and I think I scared myself a little bit. So whatever challenge you're going through in that moment, it's really hard to go, oh, I know there's a lesson in this, but I think that we can find inspiration from our frustration. And in those moments, we have a choice to go, okay, what are my options? And again, to focus on the solution and to connect with your community. And I can't tell you how much like I, I love social media. I have I, my, on Instagram, I call that my, they're my IG family. Anytime I've ever had a problem, not that I'm like posting all my problems and airing my dirty laundry on social media, but I have actually put in my story, asked questions about what would you do? Or do you know of any workspaces in this area of Texas you would not believe the amount of response that I've had from people and help and resources. And that's what I love. And that's why um, I am not afraid to ask for help anymore. I like to keep it real and say, look, I, you know, I, I would like to say that I moved and everything's great. And it's like, it's not always that easy. And sometimes it is hard to see the blessing or the lesson, but you know, because of this, I found a new studio. This could be even better. So when you come on my show, maybe you'll even come to Dallas and oh, be, be in fun. my studio and we can <laughs> hang out in person. So yeah, but there is, there is always um, a blessing and I would not, this might sound kind of crazy, but I would not wish this nerve disease or 34 surgeries on anybody, but I wouldn't take it back for me because it has allowed me to connect with the most amazing people and share my message and give hope. And when you can get a message from somebody, an email, a DM from somebody who says, because of you, I have hope again. I was, I mean, I've had people tell me they were suicidal and they've mm. reached out to me and completely they've gotten into fitness. They've, they've gone to school. They're walking again. Like they have taken their health back in their hands. And I think that 
when you realize you have a choice, you take your power back. And, you know, we don't always have a choice in, in what life goes, but we can really focus on what we can control and let go of the rest and keep choosing to be resilient and thrive. Let's, let's jump into that word. <clears throat> let's jump into resilience. I love that word. One of my favorite words. Because you, you talk about that as when you discovered or when you maybe lent into that, Mm-hmm. things started to change a bit, right? That, that was the thing that you realized that you had to have an appreciation for that more than anything else. How do you describe it? I remember you say it's not, it's something that, um, how, how, how's your exact word? It's something like you, you, you discover it or you find it or you, you, what is it that you- Well, you, you know what? We all have it. Yeah, it's inside and us. We all, we all have it, but it's our ability and our willingness to tap into it. Yeah. And it's not always easy, but it's something that we work for every day. And just like going to the gym because you want to get stronger, you want to feel better, you go to the gym and it's not like you do it once and then voila, you are ready for that marathon or you're ready for the bikini or whatever it is. Resilience is something that starts with mindset, um, but it's not just about mindset. It is in every, it's it's your mental state, your physical state, your emotional, your spiritual state. And it's something that if you do put in um, every day, whether it's a morning ritual or sometimes it's a start in your day over and over throughout the day when things aren't going quite right or like you planned, but it's really something that you can tap on into and you can strengthen. And um, when I realized that, you know, I used to think that resilience was I really thought it was bouncing back. Like I tried to get back to my old life and I was really trying hard to be the fitness trainer again. And when I started work again, I was surprised that my business boomed, but people had seen me in my wheelchair at the gym on crutches, using a walker back in my wheelchair. And they're like, okay, if this girl can work out I can do it too. Like, who am I? I'm going to. And so my business boomed, but it wasn't serving me or my family because I was literally killing myself. It was when I was bleeding out across the gym floor because I had some stitches that came open that I thought, okay, maybe this isn't working. And it's when you realize if you stop trying to fix what's broken in the past and yes to healing and yes to improving yourself, but keeping your options open and your mind open to new possibilities, you could do bigger, better things you never imagined if you quit trying to go back and focus on moving forward. And one of the things that really helped me with that was I was like, okay, well, what what can I do? And I thought, Think about what brings you joy. What lights you up? What would you do if you didn't get paid? What would you do? What do you have? Like there are things that I, that I do that I forget to eat. I like have to make like, oh yeah, I didn't eat today. I forgot to drink water. Like that, like being here with you, being, getting to connect with amazing people with you and getting to be on your podcast. When I'm at speaking events, I literally have to remind myself to eat because I love connecting with people. I love seeing that spark of transformation. Um, I love spreading joy. And so I thought, well, how can I do that without bleeding out across the gym floor and being a trainer again? And that's when I got certified to be a coach and, you know, coaching and training go hand in hand. Very I kind of did that. Very yeah. I used to be many, many years ago, I was a personal trainer back in the late eighties. That's going to tell you how old I am. I had my first business when I was 18 and, and personal training back then was like, not what it is today. Right. Like the only people who could afford it were lawyers, stockbrokers, doctors, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Right. But, you know, I coach now and I mentor and I think back to the days when I used to, you know, run a gym and be a basketball coach. And the, the times when I was the happiest was when I was in that, that space. Mm-hmm. Right, helping people and doing things like that. So it sounds to me like you know you've taken what you enjoyed doing, but you've just evolved it, and you've evolved it now. You know, in a way that's also allowed you to bring the inspiration because people can look at you and say, "Listen, if if Amberly can do this after what she's been through," and we haven't even talked about the, this fact that you have pain all the time. Like I'm here looking at you, thinking you don't look in pain. I mean, mm. you look you look really energized, and you look extremely connected to what we're talking about. 
Well, you know what? Because I love talking with you and I feel no pain when I'm in a place of gratitude, when I'm doing what I really love. Now, eventually it's, it'll, it catches up to me sometimes, but I also do so much to make sure that I, I can manage it. Okay. You know, I move my body. I do things that, you know, aren't so easy, but I know I do it because I'm going to feel better later. You know, it's not so convenient to work out every day and move my body. It's not so convenient to set my alarm for an hour earlier so I can do my prayer, my meditation, my gratitude list, have time to read and write, but it sure sets you up for success. And it's a heck of a lot easier than living a life of despair or misery. You know, did you, um, did you introduce some of those things after the accident? Cause I remember seeing an interview you did on one of the TV networks about gratitude. And I think you said something along the lines of your, your daily gratitude practice was one of the things that really allowed you to kind of pull yourself into, into what you've created now. Yes, it was. Um, it really did change my life. And I know there's a lot of people we hear that, that, mm. that gratitude is something that we should do and it helped, but it really, truly saved me mentally. And it was when I was sitting in the hospital bed and I was all alone. I didn't sleep because they would pull these bandages off of my leg every three hours to prevent infection. So I could see the inside of my leg and you being a former personal trainer, you will understand my thinking. So I'm part of me is like, this is pretty cool. I can see my gastrocnemius and my, I mean, I could see (laughs) the muscle fibers and the other part of me was like, this is crazy. This is so painful. I don't think I'll ever sleep again. Um, but I was watching this infomercial and it was this girl in a bikini running on the beach. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if I never run again? What if I can't chase after my kids? What if my husband doesn't love me? Am I going to be deformed? Are they going to cut my leg off today? Is today I'm going to, today I'm going to lose my leg. Am I going to live? And I just was spiraling down into depression. And I remember thinking like, stop, I just wanted to put the brakes on it. Just stop. And I grabbed this notepad and I started writing down everything that I was grateful for, including all the nurses that came in to see me, my incredible doctors who were doing their best and huddling up every morning to make this action plan on what surgery they were going to do next for food, for breath, for the view that I had from my hospital bed. I could see the sunlight. I couldn't go outside, but you know, I was grateful for so many things and it, I could feel how it shifted And it took me out of that depression and despair. And it really was alchemy for me. And it's alchemy for anyone who, if you really focus on what you're grateful for, it changes in in your thoughts. You start to think about, well, look at all the things that I can do. Look at all the things that I do have. And so it's something that I practice every day. Now I have um, a group of friends and we call ourselves the God Squad. And we write 10 things that we're grateful for every single day. We even, we, we use an app now and we plug it in and we share it. And it's one thing, if you can think about it, another thing, if you can write it, there's something very healing from your head to pen Mm -hmm. to paper. But when you share it and you see what somebody else is grateful for, man, things that I was, you know, having a fit over about, Oh, poor me. My internet's not working. My friend was having her last day of chemo treatment, you know, like it really shifts your perspective. Like, and sometimes when we share a gratitude, it kind of, we need somebody to shake us up a little bit and remind us of what's truly important, which is our, our health mentally and physically and spiritually. And so it really is. And that's why I, you know, out of all the things, and I'm sure you are a pro at this, um, I'm still learning email captures and all, all that fun stuff. And do you know the thing out of everything I've created from playbooks to free books to webinars, the thing that's the most downloaded is my free gratitude journal. There you go. What is that? What does that say? Isn't that something? Uh, you know what? I think sometimes, and I, and I get asked this quite a lot, there is an art in simplicity, right? 
And to some extent, what you've done there is you're not creating anything complex. It's something very simple that people have to do. Well, thank you. And it is, that's one of my, my, uh, mantras or mottos is keep it simple, like one day at a time and keep it simple. And, and yeah, I like that you keep it real and show that, you know, we're all, I mean, I'm all, we're, I'm just trying to figure it all out. You know, five years ago, I didn't even own a computer. So for me to go from a place of being stuck in a hospital bed, losing my career to being a best-selling author, speaking on a TEDx stage, and now speaking internationally is mind-blowing to me. And it is just, it shows that how powerful the human spirit is. And when you really, really want to do something, you can figure out a way to do it. And if you don't, you can find an excuse because I'm guilty of that too. You know, I'm like, Um, but I am sharing that because if someone's listening and you're like, oh, but I don't know, I'm not smart enough or I'm not young enough or I'm too old or I'm too, too young or whatever it may be. Cause I told myself all those things. Like I don't have a college education. I want to write a book, but I don't even own a laptop. I don't know where to begin. I was just like, keep it simple day by day figure it out, go to people who've done it before you and seek counsel, not opinion, because whatever the, you know, your big vision for yourself might seem crazy to a lot of people, but you know, that doesn't matter. It matters that it makes sense to you. And the reason I say seek counsel and not opinion is because if you're going to people who've never done anything that you like that you're like, I want to write a book and they've never written a book. Maybe they don't even read books. They're going to tell you, Oh, you can never do that. You better stick to fitness. But you know, it was when I went to somebody who had 75 published books, he was like, of course you can do it. Then when I went and took a class for writing from Jack grapes in LA, who I love when I, invested in hiring someone to help me learn how to put together a keynote and a presentation. You know, look, I'm a coach and I have a coach. I um, am a sponsor and I have a sponsee. I have a mastermind and I invest in masterminds. I'm a mentor and I have mentors. And I think it's really important to keep growing and learning and coming together because that's where the magic happens when you can come together and brainstorm and, and grow together. Was there a point, I'm just trying to kind of connect a little bit with you sort of pre the events versus after, did a lot of this stuff come after you had the accident or were you like this before when you were an athlete, a sponsored athlete, was this part of it? I'm just curious of whether you had to have an event like that, that made a transition. So for me personally, to share this before I went through my own change, you know, before, I, I was very blinkered and focused on it in a different way. And then something mm-hmm. happens and then everything changed. And beforehand, I look back to the person I was before to the person I am now, and they're fundamentally different. The val- my values are different. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious if that was the same for you. So, so, so Amberly before the event versus Amberly now, if you were going to define perspectives of, of what's changed, how would you, how would you define that? I think that I really got in check, like what my values and priorities are and to not take things for granted. And, you know, I slip and mess up and I start taking things like my health for granted. And I'm like, oops, I forgot to take my supplements or, Oh, I've missed the gym today or all those things. But I think that there is a real gift in being present in the moment and letting go of things that you can't control. And were you I, like that beforehand? I mean, were you present before the accident or were you more thinking about the future and what was coming or the past? I was, I was pretty present, but I think I took my health for granted okay. a little bit. You know, I felt a little bit like I was, you know, I could just get through anything. I lifted with, you know, the bodybuilders, the guys, because I, I could keep up with them and, and, you know, bench press eight or uh, leg press eight plates on each side on the leg press. I was like, loved pushing myself. And 
but you know, the difference is before. And I think the biggest difference after the accident was I was all about the grit and there's not many things I can tell you that I'm good at, but I'm really good at grit, but to sometimes to a fault, like I will, I have worked so hard and pushed myself so hard that I remember one time I was passing a kidney stone and my back hurt. And I went to the gym and I asked my workout partner, I was like, Hey, do you have some Ben gay? I can rub on this. So I, and put wrapped my back up. And my thought was, wow, my back hurts so bad that I can walk without a limp. I don't feel my leg pain. So I'll really be able to do some leg work today. Well, the next day I ended up in ICU. I was passing a kidney stone that got infected. And that moment was a real life changer. And the first time it really scared me because I had two of the doctors that came in. And first of all, the ER doctor comes in and he said, you're septic. He goes, you look pretty healthy. Like you don't look like you should even be in here, but you're septic. If I don't get you into ICU right away, you could die. And that scared me. So I was in ICU for three days. And when I got out, I thought, wow, I have really got to give myself some grace, Mm. uh, listen to my body, um, and not take my health for granted. And it was when I learned that resilience is not just about grit and being tough and pushing through and working harder and harder than anybody else. Cause success. Yeah. You just got to keep working harder than the person who's given up. But I've learned that it is so much about taking care of yourself. And I am like, had to find new ways to, to allow myself to rest because I grew up with sayings like resting is quitting, you know, if you rest, you're going to, your understudy is going to fill in for you, or you're not going to win the track meet or whatever it was. But I found this way. I wear this thing. It's called the aura ring. I'm yeah, not sponsored this. by them or anything. <laughs> no, 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 like. no, I know. I know them, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love it because it's made a competition with myself. Like I used to get eight hours of sleep and be like, gosh, I should have got up earlier. I got to go, go, go. Now I'm like, I got eight hours of sleep. I am. My readiness score is off the chart. That's a big shift. I'm a champion. I mean, that is a a big shift. shift. And one of the things that kind of occurs to me as you say that, was there a point, you know, in the last, you know, decade or or thereabouts that you thought, you know, I'm going to give up? Did that ever come into play? Oh, heck yeah. How did that then, you know, I suppose clash with your values? Because I would imagine Amberly before all of this would never have given up. Oh, well, I have you know to what I mean? say, That's, I, I get a sense that, you know, grit is such a thing that sometimes you'll make decisions, which may not even be the best decisions for you because your mental yeah. state is so focused on it. Oh yeah. And you just got to push through yeah. and push through and being an athlete. And you understand this running marathons, like you learn you have a high pain tolerance and you can get through a lot, but that's not always the answer. Um, and so, yeah, I felt like giving up, I was about ready to end it all. Like I had thoughts of, you know, my husband could find another wife. He could find another wife that could be a good mom for my kids. And I thought, wait a minute, that's when everything was like, oh my goodness, is this it? Like, this is the decision I'm going to make. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to, I was didn't want to live anymore, but I was too afraid to die. Mm, If that even makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. That's incredible. Um, That's what I was kind of alluding to a little bit without, I didn't want to push you into that unless you want to share it. Yeah. But but that's, that's an incredible place to be. Right. And also to be where you are now from there. Well, there's a gift in desperation for sure. Mm. And, um, I prayed. And I think that all we need is we all have light within us. And I think we just have to find ways to keep that light burning bright. Mine was barely a flicker. It was like nearly, it was on the dimmer down, you know, and I think praying and it, I had so much shame. I was so embarrassed of who I had become 
And I was playing the victim, you know, like, how did a good girl like me end up like this? And it was like, wait a minute. No, I need to ask for help. And I had started drinking every day to kind of that because I had tried so many different solutions for pain. I mean, I had spent thousands. We had a lien on our house because I was trying all these medical, um, you know, experiences, experiments, treatments, anything and everything that anybody said that they could get me out of pain. I had never done a drug in my life and I was getting infused with ketamine every day to try to reboot my nervous system. Um, I had a spinal stimulator where they implant these leads in your back and nothing was working. And I remember having a glass of wine and by the way, I was never a drinker or a partier. I was so career driven and career focused. And I thought, I remember thinking this is not the healthiest thing, but if this is what I have to do to keep going with that grit, then this is what I'll have to do. And so I started living like this double life where I was in the fitness industry yet I was drinking wine to cover up the shame and the pain and the, you know, just feeling of being unworthy and ugly. And I mean, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. And there was that moment when I thought, okay, I need help. And I prayed and out of desperation, I called a client that I knew was in recovery and she had some years of sobriety under her belt. And, oh my gosh, it, I was so ashamed and to call but again, I was desperate. And she said, you know, what? I'm going to take you to a meeting. And I didn't hear back from her. And the only reason I share that is because a week went by and I thought, okay, I need help right now. I'm going to have to Google. I got on Google and I started like trying to find some 12 step or recovery that I could go to. I knew I'd have to go to a meeting when my daughters were in school and when my husband would be sleeping or not know about it or it was So you didn't share any of this stuff at this point. This was just you. Well, I shared it with my husband because I thought I had a problem. And yeah. he said, oh, you don't have a problem. He is a lieutenant commander with a highway patrol. He arrests drunks on the street. I was not the vision of what he had seen okay. as being somebody with a drinking problem. And I knew deep down that I needed help and I had a problem. And I think that um, we all know deep down those things that are working for us are working against us. And I knew that I could not go on like this. And so um, I knew he had a lot of shame about me going to a recovery. Like he did not want to be married to somebody who was saying they had a drinking problem. And so I went from sneaking my drinking to now I'm sneaking, going to recovery. It was crazy. <laughs> So Man, honestly, I, this is, I mean, every, every, every um, twist in your story, Amberly brings up another, another sort of point around resilience and, and, and being able to break through challenges and not give up and not give up. And you know what? And it is, it go, all goes back down to having that hope, having just a little glimmer of hope. And when I went to my first meeting, I heard hope. And I mm. heard women share that had been through not the same experience, but something similar and they got through it. And if they could do it, I could do it too. And so I share these things. I share that, you know, my friend wasn't able to help me at first, or I didn't get a call back. I share that because we got to be willing to help ourselves first. Even if we don't know how to help ourselves. Google it read about it. There are so many opportunities to listen to amazing podcasts like your podcast where you're sharing all these stories and, and wisdom. And there's so much that we can learn just by reaching out, even if we don't have someone to help us. And so I share that part of it to show that, you know, I had to be willing to help myself and go to any length to do it. And it was scary. It was scarier than, I don't know. It was to walk into a room and have to raise my hand and ask for help, but it changed my life. And I share that. So if somebody out there listening, if you're struggling, that would be my suggestion for you reach out to somebody. And, and it can be somebody on 
Instagram. It can be, you know, somebody through, you know, you know, email me, DM me, uh, say you heard this on, on Nick's show, you know, um, but you are never alone. And I think that just knowing you're not alone and in moments when you don't have anybody to reach out to, I had to believe in something bigger than me and know that there was a power greater than me that was running the show. And I still have to remind myself of that sometimes because I can get into self-will, like I just got to get through this and do it. And it's funny because my mom checked on me this morning. She's like, how are you doing now? You're not going to drive anywhere, are you? And I've been driving to my dad's house because he has great internet there. And I've been I've been recording some of my podcast interviews and it is legit Texas with deer heads mounted on the wall, a gun rack in the back. <laughs> That's what I expect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta play the stereotype. I don't, I don't have kangaroos in my backyard, but even so, you know, I expect in Texas <laughs> there's horns and things. A little more grit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Lots of steak. There you go. Mm-hmm. Lots of steak, but yeah, I told her, I said, yeah, mom, I've said a prayer and now I'm just, I'm trusting that the, you know, everything will go as planned and we'll have a great connection and, and through the ice storm and all the other challenges we'll be able to connect. And hopefully someone listening to this is inspired to not give up on their big dreams today. Well, the thing is, right. The thing is, you know, the right message heard at the right time can change anything. Right. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And people we like, will hear this story and you know what, you know, I like to summarize what I hear and what I think from the conversations as we start to wrap this stuff up, but you know, you've got an incredible amount of honesty and vulnerability in the way that you tell the stories around yourself, like to a point where there is no facade, which can sometimes when you put yourself out there on a platform, like you have, like I have, uh, sometimes you don't want to, you don't want to say everything, right. Because Mm -hmm. it's scary to do that. But you know, from, from what you've shared in this last hour and now, what I've seen from the stuff you've done, you don't seem to have that fear or you may have that fear, but you think, you know what, the message is more powerful and actually more important. Yeah. And you know what, there, there's actually been times, um, when I spoke, I was speaking to a women at a women's event and a women's group, and I don't share all in when I'm doing big speaking events and stuff like that about sobriety or anything like that too much. I mean, I have before, but I was share. I said something about it and I, I, you know, there's what you plan on saying, what you say and what you wish or wish you didn't say. And I just had not planned on sharing about sobriety, but there was just something I felt called that was in me that I thought, I think somebody needs to hear this. But afterwards I was like, Oh, I mean, I probably said too much. I really <laughs> got vulnerable there. And you know what? I had so many women reach out to me and say, thank you. And then I was speaking in a friend's mastermind three months later, there was a lady in the mastermind when they opened it up for Q and a, she raised her hand and she said, Amberly, I heard you share at a speaking event. And I just want you to know that because of you, I now have three months sober. And I was like, wow. Oh, it was worth it. See, change the change the life of one person, right? And and people say that to me all the time. I don't look at statistics of people who listen to these shows anymore. I say, and I've said this consistently since day one, if I can help one person, if the if the message hits one person and gets them to think about something differently or changes a perspective or inspires them, then you know, my job is done. And I, you know what, I love that so much, Nick. And, you know, I felt the same way when I wrote my book and when I started my podcast, that's exactly what kept moving me for. I'm like, oh, I'm going to write this book. It will, it's going to, if I can inspire one person to not give up and people would ask me, how many copies have you sold? I didn't know. And then it became a bestseller. And I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even know my, the, the publisher called me and said, we've never had an author sell this many books. And I'm like, really? (laughs) But I was just focused on what my intentions were, where I just want to give somebody the tips and tools to be resilient, 
to know that they can have a life of joy, even when things don't go as planned, you know? And so I think when you're like that and when you have, uh, you know, your, your message, your podcast, that's so amazing. The, the reason people are listening because they see and they hear your message, but they also, I feel like can they feel your heart in it. You've got such a big heart and, and um, just a beautiful way of sharing and um, wanting to really be of service to others. And you can feel that. And yeah. so it has to no be, wonder. it's definitely, definitely a genuine thing, but, and you know, the other, the other thing for me though, also is I think my, my story was very much of the line of, I was so self-censored in my previous world. Uh, so my, my cup of contribution was like that. There might've been like a drop in it <laughs> if I was lucky. Oh, and wow. so I think sometimes, and, I'm, and the reason I bring this up is I want to ask you this as a, as a kind of final, final part really, is I found that by actually being able to go out there and help people and share a message and offer that perspective, it gave me a greater sense of purpose and meaning mm-hmm. and therefore fulfillment. And I wonder with you about, you know, as you said, you've had a couple of amazing things that have happened to you and some very rock bottom experiences, right? Experiences that you wouldn't wish on anyone, you know, absolutely. But at the same time have served you as we've spoken about. I wonder if, if you giving away what you give so vulnerably and so beautifully, whether that has created more purpose, which has then allowed you to be able to grow yourself. Um, I think so, but I have to say, I have always loved helping people. And I mean, I didn't know what, you know, obviously when I was younger about personal development or anything like that, but even from being a young kid and I had, I created a club when I was, I think I was about eight years old. And I was the president of the club and I called us the super chicks. I had shirts made for me and my cousins and they had a fuzzy emblem of super chicks. And I just wanted to create community, a place where we could feel like we were together and strong and we could help each other. And I didn't even think about that until you asked this question, actually. Um, But we would meet in the hen house and it was smelly and hot in Texas but we together, we felt super. And so I think from a young age, I've always loved this idea of giving back however you can. And that's one thing that really, really, truly helped me when I was in the hospital bed for months at a time was I knew if I could just be of service that I would feel better and it would give me purpose And so I was making client phone calls in the hospital bed. I was making calls to other trainers to have them set them up with some of my clients and keep both of our businesses going. Um, I remember, I'll just tell you one quick story. There was a client of mine who called me in tears and here I am in the hospital, not knowing if I'm going to like keep my leg or not. And she's like, I just found out I'm pregnant and I I just don't want to have another baby. And she was hysterical. And I was like, you know what? This is a blessing. You're bringing a new life into the world. And as soon as I get out of the hospital, I can babysit for you. So don't, it's going to be okay, you know? And so just being able to kind of talk her off the ledge and like, you know, it, it made me feel better. And then it made her feel better because she's like, oh, okay, I'll have a babysitter. You know what I mean? So you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all the answers, but if you can just show up and listen, um, and be a sounding board for someone, that's a lot. And then this morning, one of my, my, um, I want to read it to you. One of my sober brothers sends me an email every day. And, and it just reminded me of this when I said, Jeff, you can just listen. He said, God gave us mouths that close and ears that don't, that must tell us something. And so <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good listener and be there for people and c- continue to create this community so we can grow and um, be resilient and unstoppable together. I love it. Very, very, very awesome mission. And and yeah, I mean, I'm hugely inspired by your story. And I know that everyone listening today for the, 
for this episode will be as well. So oh, what's thanks. what's next for you, Amberly? So with with so many things that you've achieved to date, what what's next on the agenda for you? Well, thank you for asking. I think the thing that I'm most excited about is I've created this mastermind called Unstoppable Life Mastermind. And I think the one that I had previously was men and women. This one, I have thought, I'm going to try this one for just women. I do have some male speakers that are coming in to drop some wisdom, but it's for, for females and women who are faith-filled and passionate and want to learn how to use their story to build their influence and their impact and make a bigger income. And I think we need more powerful women out in the world that are sharing their story because it gives others hope. It can be a roadmap for others to achieve success or to survive or thrive. And so now, because I started from literally nothing, no social media, no computer, and I've gone in the past, you know, five years from writing a book, doing a TEDx, speaking globally, um, I want to share, open my playbooks and share how I've done that with others so they can do the same. That's awesome. And I fully agree with you. You know, it's funny when I get people wanting to come on this show, um, lots and lots of men, you know, and, and, and to a point where like, you know, there isn't that many remarkable stories that come in, but there is less women, you know, for whatever reason out there right now, sharing, sharing their stuff, you know, and, and it's, it's one of those things that I think needs to change. I don't know why that's the case. I think maybe sometimes putting yourself out there takes a certain level of confidence to do it. But I think if you're putting something together like that, which helps people be able to, to do that, that's incredible because there isn't enough of it. Yeah. You know, and I, I have to say, I do think it's important to share from a scar and not an open wound. And it took Mm. me a long time to be able to share. And I did a lot of work on myself and therapy and journaling and ugly crying and started sharing with people who I really trusted my innermost circle, but I wanted to create a safe place and an inner circle for women to be able to share gain that confidence, learn how to tell their story confidently so that they can change the world in a very powerful way. And um, I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about. I mean, I get to do some fun traveling. I mean, God willing, I get to go do some in-person speaking events and all that, but Um, you know, I've got a sticky note on my computer that's starting to look like a decoration instead of a sticky note about my next book that I, (laughs) I'm calling myself out. I need to get on that. But I think the thing I'm most excited about is the mastermind because when I, you know, my last one, when I saw people launch their podcast, their YouTube channel, Um, create their own event, launch their coaching program and speak on stages. I'm like, this is magic. This is awesome. So yeah, I I do go to a lot of events where it's mostly men and I love men. I was always kind of one of the guys, you know, a tomboy growing up. So, um, but we do need some, some powerful women out there using their voice and making Absolutely. an impact. 100%. So we'll make sure that we um, will link that into the show notes as well, Amberly. So if anyone's interested in connecting with you, I do have a lot of um, women listening to this show. So, you know, oh, if they want to kind of, and they, it's funny, like some of my clients also say, where are the great masterminds? Where can I get involved with these things? Because certainly over in the UK, there is not many and most of the really good ones are happening on your side of the world. So we'll definitely. Oh, definitely, is that right? Yeah. I don't know why that's the case. I mean, I, the stuff, when I go speak, I tend to speak more in the US these days. I think there's a different level of appreciation for personal growth, investing in yourself, you know, that self-development thing seems to be much, much in more acceptable. Yeah. In relationships. It, it's amazing when you develop these relationships. I mean, you and I were connected by the amazing Bo, who knows Stephen, who knows Evan Carmichael. I mean, it's just. Yeah. And when I first met you, I'm like, I know if Bo introduced us that you're going to be one of my best friends. You just wait. You'll be visiting in Dallas. (laughs) I can't wait. I haven't been to Dallas. So there you go. There's a, I now have an invitation. I said actually quite recently when I was traveling in September, uh, I went around to, uh, I think it was four countries, nine cities. And 
every place I went to, I could have stayed at someone's house or had a That's dinner amazing. or breakfast. If I'd gone back five years when I was in the world of private equity and I was traveling for work, that wouldn't have happened. I'd be out mm -hmm. by myself having dinner, right? And yeah. so all of that has come from the connection of this medium, right? You know, yes. and a lot of the people I've never met face to face, you know, but this this is what this allows us to do. And I think this is game changing as well. So listen, I love, I love this conversation. You know, I wanted to try and get people to know a little bit more about you. And I think you've, as I said, you've shared so much. So I just want to say thank, thank you. you. Thank I you want to thank you. Thank you. I feel so honored to get to talk with you and, you know, just get to share on your amazing podcast that I've been binging. Um, <laughs> binging. I'm serious. Uh, yeah. The accent. You'll get sick of the Australian accent. Emily. You no, you? I ah. love the accent. That's part of it for sure. There you go. But I just feel honored. And um, so thank you. And I hope we do get to meet in person. I'm sure someday, we will. Really I'm soon. sure we will. So, so where can people find you? We said, I'll, I'll definitely put the TEDx talk up because it's amazing and everything else, but where can people reach out if they do want to get in touch? ask you any questions, ask about the mastermind, that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Text me at 818-214-7378. And if you want your free playbook, it's a downloadable playbook on how to tap into your resilience. Just text me the word grit, G-R-I-T. And it gets, it's a Dropbox links It Dropbox link. It gives it right to you. Um, and then just reach out to me amberlylago.com, amberlylago motivation on Instagram and let me know, you know, that you heard heard this show <laughs> and as soon as this comes out, I'll be sharing this and shouting it off the rooftop. So, I love awesome. connecting with people. So, yeah, reach out oh. to me. Thank you, Nick. You're so awesome. No, thank you so much, Amberly. As I said, a pleasure and a delight having you on the show. I appreciate your time and thank you for helping so many of my listeners here today. It's been amazing. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you've enjoyed the show just as much as I've enjoyed creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me, it helps the show, plus it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything that you heard in today's show, to find out how you can join our community on Facebook, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now.